more than half my business comes from that, and that's free. Yeah, hunt that down, get that bait, and hunt the prey. I say the highest form of arrogance is letting your, as a race, we need to get our act together. So this is my way of helping that to happen. On today's Engaging Marketeer, I am speaking with the force of nature that is Ariel Hubbard. So I'm here in the UK. Ariel is over in Washington State in the US near Seattle. And she's talking to me about how she took her her massage business, her massage training business during COVID from face-to-face onto online. There's a lot of pivoting going on here. There's a lot of changing to make make courses online, make courses uh, on demand so that you can access them. And obviously we've helped a number of clients do that ourselves. So everything Ariel says, I'm like, yeah, I totally get it. I totally get where you're coming from. So let's hear how Ariel's done this and how Ariel pioneered pioneered uh, in her industry by being one of the very first people to use social media way back before Twitter was even born, never mind ruined by Elon Musk. Elon. Uh, so let's speak with Ariel Hubbard. You talk about marketing through common sense and intuition. Yes. What? Is that because I have no common sense? Oh, <laughs> wow, you actually admit it. <laughs> of course, most I don't. People, most people don't. So, so, um, okay. So, you know, marketing 101 is who's your target market? Finding out who your target market is, right? Mm-hmm. And then yep. how are you going to reach them, right? You know, you'd think that that I'm with would you be so far. I'm with you so far, yeah. right? <laughs> So the thing is, because of the advent of technology, there are a lot of ways to reach people where we couldn't reach people before. You know, and in the olden days, we used to send out little flyers or little cards or we make phone calls or we put ads on TV or radio. Hmm. Right. But these days, because there's so many different outlets with social media and now with the advent of AI uh, in, in the mix. Right. How are we reaching people? So. The thing is, you want to think about who you're going to connect with and how you're going to connect with them in a way that makes sense to that person. So what I mean by that is people have their preferred styles of communicating and they want to communicate in a certain platform. Some people, young people, they communicate via gaming platforms. So you want to talk to a young person, you have to get on a game and talk to them through the chat. Isn't that crazy? Crazy, right? If you're older, it might be through... um, texting or it might be through email but that's email is tough because a lot of people don't read email so the common sense thing is okay how do i reach people where they're going to be not where i like to communicate from Mm -hmm. so if you have your preferred style of communication right like the way you like to talk to people communicate market your service okay how do you reach uh those people where they're at like i had a woman reach out to me she reached out to me and it was through networking. So so word of mouth is huge. That's a big one. Depending on what kind of business you have. If you have a service-based business, word of mouth is the best way to get new clients, right? But if you're trying to reach people or you're new or you have a different type of business, you have to reach them a different way, right? So where are those people? So that's where the common sense comes in. How do you find the people where they're, they're at in a way they want to communicate from? Like, so like in the B2B world, it's probably going to be on LinkedIn or it's going to be at a business conference, right? Or it's going to be at a lunch with business colleagues or something like that. But if you're in a service space where there's some 
intimacy involved, let's say a hairstylist, a massage therapist, um, an esthetician, where there needs to be a feeling of safety or connection, that's going to be a lot of that's going to be like uh, people talking about you, buzz about you, saying you're great, you know, that you know what you're doing. And for people in my business, uh, sometimes it's also educating, uh, taking uh, or teaching classes or sometimes taking classes and meeting people in the educational sphere and then networking with those people, right? So there are all these different ways to do it. The intuition piece is being at the right place at the right time. And some of that is you get these intuitive I call them hits. That's the term that a lot of us use in the intuitive world, where we get these um, feelings or ideas or an, um, a suggestion someone gives us comes into our sphere and we say, oh, I should do that. Hey, you should call so-and-so or, hey, you should email so-and-so or you should do social post on such and such. And so when you follow up on that and you start getting results, that's when it gets amazing. So I did this thing I started call I call it Gorilla social media and what it is is when people when i do post i look at who looks at my post that means they're thinking about me because they'll either like it or they'll look at it or they'll comment on it and then after a certain number of touches a certain number of posts i'll reach out to them personally because i'm i'm at top of mind they're looking at my stuff and when i do that i can usually close them on something so if i've seen that they've looked at my things you know two three four five times I'll reach out and say, hey, did you know that I have this option or I have this long distance class or I have this kind of uh, opportunity? And they'll be like, no, I didn't know that because they've already liked other things I've been doing. Hmm. So and so that's how I in the intuition piece. So you're, you're kind of actively using social media because a lot of people just post stuff yeah. out there and forget oh, no. about it. You're, you're yeah. like laying bait and you're seeing who, who takes that bait and then you're diving in there and grabbing them by the throat and well i would use gentler terms but yeah put that down get that bait and hunt the prey yes i am <laughs> but yes it's true <laughs> definitely i i'd be i'd use a little softer more yin terms but yes the essence is absolutely true <laughs> yeah i i love what you say as well that you need to know where your your target audience is as you say younger right. audience gaming platforms because i've had so many conversations with my kids over minecraft otherwise i would never have used minecraft but no of course not there are loads of business owners that say things like oh i don't like facebook so i'm not going to use it but that's you know what, what I your say customers are you know what i say to this people get over yourself you're self-sabotaging big well, time I like that. i'm going to use that yeah, I mean, okay. I, I, sometimes I say that directly and sometimes a little more gentle depending on what someone can tolerate mm. because I do a lot of um, coaching for people in my business. So I work in the holistic health world. So I'm in massage, energy medicine, and clinical hypnotherapy. I've been a practitioner for a really long time, almost 30 years, energy medicine, 34. And then um, I, so I have been training people to do what I do for decades mm. but the big missing for a lot of those people is they have a huge gap when it comes to marketing so i work with these people and i'd say 10 percent of them are engaged and they're early adopters if they once they hear about it they immediately step into it and then 90 percent of them are resistant and there are other populations where this is an, uh, uh, an issue uh, i've had psychologists colleagues say that they also have a missing in this area and i'm sure there are other professions where people tend to resist using 
um, technology. But the thing is, you can do so well with it if you just get over yourself a little bit. And I say, mm. like, address your resistance. Look at why you have that resistance. Um, deal with your resistance and use these wonderful channels to reach people. I mean, half of my business or more comes from Facebook, from people referring people to me on a local site it's like a site for my town hey i'm looking for a great massage therapist i'm looking for a good hypnotherapist and these people refer me and more than actually more than half my business comes from that and that's free Mm. i don't do anything i just get people messaging me over the weekend i had two people message me while i'm on vacation it's amazing so social media can be um, incredible people get intimidated and uncomfortable go take some classes that's how i learned I started taking classes way back in 2007 when I started social media, okay? I started using it. I started taking classes. I'm saying, well, this seems intimidating, but I'm not going to let it get in my way, right? So I just said, okay, I'm going to make this happen. So I, at that time, I had a very small school and I was competing with much larger schools in my area that had way bigger budgets. The thing is, I was enrolling as many students as they were because the students were on social media and mm. they were not. I was the only school in my area on social media and I didn't have these guys from Google call me up and they're trying to pitch me to, you know, buy their service. And I said, do me a favor, go ahead and do a search, do a search for schools in this town. Oh, and they're like, Oh, your name is at the top. I said, that's right. I don't need you. And they said, how did you do it? I said, social media. So, I mean, I don't know if people are aware of this, but when you post frequently, you interact online and you have meta tags on your website, your SEO scores go up and the search engines can find you more easily. And then your information pops up. The most important thing is we have to be seen in order to be seen. So if people are not visible, no one's going to like say, I want to you know, work with you or buy your service or your product or whatever. You have to be available to people. It's really important. So the intuitive part is there are a lot of different ways to do this. So you have to sometimes use your intuition to pick which one you're going to do. But I would say with your target market, what's the age group of your target market? If you know that, then you pretty much know. So like anybody over 40 is going to be on Pinterest, women especially, even though that's been around for years, it's still huge pinterest facebook right help me out here if they're in the corporate world it's going to be linkedin right absolutely if they're 30 and under it's going to be snapchat right you you have things that are trendy like vine is gone now vine was like six seconds and then it was gone and then there's i loved vine twitter killed it unfortunately oh man well the thing is now twitter's you know dying on the vine as it were but um, yes it is (laughs) thanks elon yeah Right. So there there are always new things. So as the new things come up, we think about who the age group is. And again, those young people, those Gen Z people, they're going to be on gaming platforms. I mean, maybe Snapchat, maybe. But, you know, so who's your target market? What's their age? What are their interests? And then where are you going to find those people? And then go to where they are and communicate the way they do. So that's the thing. We can't have our egos in this. I had a woman, she's like, I said, the best way to communicate with me is by text. I was giving her information because she was emailing me. I said, that's not, if you want to make an appointment, you, you want it to be quick, it's texting. She said, just call me. And calling, you know, a lot of us don't do that anymore. But I called her and I booked the appointment with her because that's how she wanted to be communicated with. Hmm. Yeah. That, that, so, that, no, that, that, that's a good tip. Yeah, com- communicate with people how they want to be communicated with. Because if yeah. you try to communicate with people in a system they don't like, 
It's not going to work for them. That they're not going to enjoy working with you. They're not going to become a client of yours. It's about you know, what what do they like to do? Correct, correct. Yeah. So anyway, I I do also sometimes what I tell people, and this is everybody's intuitive. It's just that most of us ignore it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like uh, sometimes it shows up as a thought that keeps coming into your mind right. over and over. You had those? Not I'm not talking like obsessive thoughts. I'm not talking oh, right, not about those. Not those. Not those. Not anxiety thoughts. Not yeah, rumination. No. Not insecurities. Not those things. What I'm talking about. What I'm talking about is, uh, hey, have you ever thought about taking a walk over on that bridge? And you're thinking, why would I possibly do that? Why would I take a walk over that bridge? The thing is, you go over there and then you meet somebody who wants to be your client. I've had this stuff happen so many times. So many times that I've just, I just roll with it. So you just listen to the thoughts in your head and you do what they tell you to do. Yeah. Well, and it's thoughts that are positive, suggestive and looking out for my highest good. There's a difference between like thoughts that are coming from a higher awareness. I call it the higher self. Right. Your intuition versus your ego versus the part of you that's insecure or anxious. It's the nature of the thoughts. The thoughts are neutral. They're not judgmental. They're friendly. They're supportive. It's like a neutral tone. Have you considered trying this? Have you thought about doing that? You know, there's another way to look at the situation. Like I get this, especially like when I'm really angry or upset, I'll get that coming. You know, there's another way to look at the situation. You could look at it this way instead, which is that's called a reframe, by the way. Hmm. That's that's the intuitive self or the higher self giving you how, information. How can you be sure which which thought it is? Which, which angle it takes it's coming practice. From? It's a lot of practice. One of the ways follow through on what it says and when the great stuff happens you know it was your higher self <laughs> it's a practice seriously decades of practice because the way to listen to this is i mean fr- frankly is to have your mind be still and that's really hard for most westerners to do hmm. so do is like a lot of people come through when they're doing something else so the conscious mind is distracted so then these spot thoughts will come in so like if you're exercising or washing the dishes or you're working on some boring accounting or something and all of a sudden the thought comes through, that's one way to know. Um, if it's based in ego or need or insecurity or if there's any negativity involved, that's way you know it's not your intuitive self. Right. Right. The negativity, the, ang- the anxiousness, the upset, the irritation, that's all ego. Which right. is a that's, lot, that's, a lot like social media in itself. There's a lot of positivity in there, but there's also a huge amount of negativity. Well, it's a reflection of humanity, isn't it? I mean, we have mm. our shadow and we have our light, right? So we we have the good aspects of ourselves and the not so great aspects. I mean, it's very much it's a reflection of humanity. It really is. So, so when you when you started using social media in 2007, you said Seven, yeah. it, it wasn't right obviously a it wasn't a big thing then. We, we MySpace had been around for some time and was on its way out. Facebook had just sort of come in. Twitter hadn't started then. LinkedIn had been around oh. for a while, but it was pretty clunky. So you must have been a bit of a pioneer to be using social media at that stage when everybody else was using Google, Google Ads, SEO directories, Yahoo, that that kind of thing. I was. I was. So what I started doing, and my students used to make fun of me, but ha, ha, ha. They didn't <laughs> you realize the it. <laughs> when I would, I would take pictures of my students in my classes. 
I would show what we were doing. I would talk about what we were doing in our classes. Mm. They used to make fun of me, but then I had 10,000 pictures <laughs> in my library of contents. So laugh all you want, but I was the one laughing as I went to the bank. <laughs> mm. <laughs> so the thing, I mean, I, I love what I do and I'm passionate about it, right? So I would take pictures and originally the goal was to share it with the students, right? To show them the techniques or help, um, help them remember what they learned in my class, right? And then what I realized was, oh, I can share this on social media and show the outside world what this is all about. So I started doing that. I also, this is another thing I did at that time, I would have people check in at my school. They would check in and then check that would, that, yes. Mm. And then um, when they checked in, that would generate more interest and focus on the school. And people would look at that and see that. Mm generate more interest over the years uh, I, and then the memories now the memories come up on facebook too right did, so did you have foursquare back then in the in the u.s oh uh i never used it it was around yeah but i never used that one i used like um i used a lot of facebook and i had did multiple outlets on facebook and then i would mm. do multiple postings on there and then I use on with hootsuite and then that went away eventually and then i started using instagram and that was interesting. But Instagram was a gem, man. Because when when you see who likes you and you see them liking over and over again, that's a lead. Mm. Realize yeah. that. I kept seeing people I'm like, oh my God, this is a lead. And then I'd start reaching out to these people. And then I'd start closing business. And considering that I was closing business from 2,000 miles away. So I was in California for many years. I had a huge community that I built there. And I moved to the Seattle area. So I would see these people down in California would miss me. I would do my posts in Seattle and then I'd say, Hey, you know, I'm coming down, I'm teaching. And then I would close them down here. So like you can, the thing is, that's what the wonderful things about social media. And then I started adding online courses, which I still have. So, um, people that are far away from me can still get access. And then I have my podcast, right? So people can get access even if they can't see me in person. So all of the people out there, if you do have something that's online, Wow, that's I mean, you give people access to what you do, but you don't have to physically be there. So that really opens up your access to potential clients. It's wonderful. So how how are you finding the the podcast for bringing potential clients into the business? That that has not been as much of a focus. It's more like an hmm. it's more like an adjunct for me right now. So I'm at episode eighty eight on my Woman Power Zone show, and so it's a episode. Actually, excuse me. It's a podcast that's designed to empower women in my target market to know things that they don't know that they don't know to help them have a better life. Right. I'm so with the, you. No. Now, of course, men can listen to it, too. It's really for people. But because there aren't as many things for women, I wanted something for women, right? Hmm. So um, that has been more like an adjunct reinforcing my credibility. So what happens is I have uh, clients or students a lot of times during a session, I'll talk with them about an issue and then I'll have them, I'll say, here, go ahead and listen to the show. They'll listen to the show and it reinforces either A, what I was saying to them during the treatment or B, my, my expertise, right? And then it reinforces the information I'm saying and then it gives them information they need. So like it supports my clients to have more information on a specific topic, mm -hmm. right? It's empowering to them. Then they share it with their friends. Sometimes I will get business from that. 
Sometimes I will get business from that. And then usually what a lot of people out there doing is once they get 100 episodes, then they start selling that to sp- for sponsorship. Mm. And they sell, sell so package and then they sell retroactive advertising back to episode one. So that's probably where, where I'm going to be going with this. I originally did the podcast because I got a grant during COVID. And then I decided to use that funding to empower women and help women and give them a bright light and something positive to listen to and a positive experience, right? The goal from that wasn't necessarily to be income generating. I think the benefits from that are going to come, you know, either as an adjunct uh, thing or down the road, it'll be income generating in the future. So for for me, that's what I was using it as. And mm. it works. It's it's a lot. A lot of times I'm starting to get people saying, hey, I listened to your show. It was really great. Like former students. So I'll give you an example. Um, one of my colleagues and one of my students, I did a show with her. One of her uh, clients listened to it and said, hey, I'd love to do some classes with you. So it regenerated. That's just happened this week. It regenerated interest in business from someone I did business with like five, six years ago. Yeah. So it does work for me. It's more indirect right now. But the the great thing about the podcast is it, it's there forever. Yes. As you say, as though, I mean, hundred episodes long- goes all the way back. It can go back a couple of years, and people can yep. at any point can consume that, and it adds yes. that credibility that you really do know what you're talking about. Right. And in my in my view, it has replaced books for that because people used to write books to become experts or perceived as an expert in their field. Now podcasting is the thing. Mm. You could write a book and I have, but the thing is <laughs> you're going to get much more immediate consumption. If someone just listens to you while they're walking their dog versus, mm. you know, having to order a book off of Amazon and reading it, if they even get time to read it. So it's much more consumable. A podcast yeah. is. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I found we've had a lot of people come to us saying that, you know, I've listened to what you've said on this podcast. It shows that, you know, you know what you're talking about with this. And, and we've had it helps the credibility. It helps the sale. It helps you it helps you pick up clients. And it's a lot of fun. Absolutely. And as a side note, I absolutely love the name of your show and I love your logo that's on your microphone. It's fabulous. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Just saying, you know, good <laughs> logos and Great names are really an important part of marketing. So, somebody yeah. <laughs> out there, like, put some thought into what you're actually going to call your business. Mm. You know what well, I mean? The, put some the, thought into your logo. This, this was made. <laughs> this was made by a company called Foam Conversions. This microphone cover, and they're That's in the UK cool. <laughs> and in, and in the US as well. So you can buy from them in the US. Love it. That's so, fantastic. I can't yeah. wait to uh, to check it out. Yeah, I love it. And make sure you put that name of that in the show notes because I want to look in the show notes later so I can. I will do. Foam conversions <laughs> really it. should have. They should have an affiliate scheme, really, because everybody mentions this. Everybody asks about it, and I always give them a name plug. So yeah, if they want to the sponsor me, that's that's networking right there. That's that's uh, that's referral. Word, excuse me, word of mouth referral for it the is. microphone. <laughs> it is. It's marketing um, right there. <laughs> you, you, you mentioned when, when, when we were conversing over over email that you'd helped. And I've got the number written down here: seven thousand five hundred people you've trained. Yes, and That's... actually, the number goes up every day. I just taught eight people Whoa. yesterday. 
average class size is between two and five. So that's a lot of classes. I had 35 people about a week and a half ago in a course. It's a lot. I've been teaching people for a long time. <laughs> well, that's got to be a, lo- a lot of lives that you've touched, a lot of people's careers that you've helped start. I think so. My goal is two million people. Whoa. So <laughs> two million people. Wow. To, because the, the kind of work that I do is life-changing, as you mentioned. It really mm-hmm. is. It's life-changing for the people who receive the work. Um, people's lives are changed through massage, energy medicine. Those are energy healing sessions and hypnotherapy. They're really powerful forms of helping people heal at a very deep level. And especially after COVID, people really need deep levels of healing mm-hmm. on some very, very profound levels. The amount of trauma that has come up for people has been breathtaking. And so these modalities help people a lot. And they they also help the people who practice them. But my goal originally was a million and then it was two million. And you know, if I've trained I'm somewhere between now between seventy five hundred and eight thousand because I keep training new people. And if only ten percent of those people practice for ten or twenty years and about a thousand sessions per year, that's a lot of people. And I think I'll meet my goal. It eventually my, my students are helping me meet my goal which is great and I, I, the thing is the world needs help it the world needs help it needs um to shift on a lot of different levels mm. so it's been very clear the last few years especially there are a lot of things that need to change you know with climate change and economic um disparities and so many other issues there are the things that need to change as a race we need to get our act together so this is my way of helping that to happen mm. and you, yeah. you, men- you mentioned covid there how how did that affect your your training business oh oh hugely um so basically it shut down my education business at the time because everything was in person mm. okay so then i had to pivot and then I started um, doing stuff online that I had I had previously had done some things online, but not that much. So I then I had to do everything online for a period of time. And so at that point, I started doing classes online. I think I taught something like 13 or 14 classes. I taught over 700 people in about a year and a half or so. And then I realized, okay, we're going to continue with this because now everybody's online. I'm going to continue with this and I'm going to add my live stuff back in. So, you know, this is the funny part. I sabotaged myself, but it was for the benefit of people, in my profession and where I, where I live, um, I've spearheaded a, uh, a movement to change the requirement for live training to online. And of course I lost all my business because I did that, but it helped all the people in my business maintain their business licenses. Mm. And then that went on for about two and a half years, and now that's back to life. So now people are coming back, and they're taking classes live again. But it definitely had a negative impact on me, which is why I applied for grants. And then one of those grants, I took some of that money, and then I used that to um, get my podcast going, to, to continue to empower people that need access to something, and they can't maybe go meet somebody in person, or they don't have the resources, or they don't have the time. So giving them something, access that helps them so in a way that they can receive it. And that's, again, meeting people where they are. Hmm. So your, yeah. your, your online classes, are they, are they live online or do you have pre-recorded as well? Yes. <laughs> I am pre-recorded. So uh, 
if anybody did a search for Ariel Hubbard, they're going to find uh, my Hubbard Education Group platform. It's on. It's through a company called Click for Course, which is a great little online platform. And I have about 13 classes up on there. My next project is to get my live webinar series going. That's one of the things I want to work on in the next like year or two is like, mm-hmm. hey, guys, I'm going to teach a live class on X. Show up and take the class. That's my next project. Speaking of intuition, <laughs> remember I told you that sometimes people will tell you things that you need to listen to. Yeah. So you just reinforce. I've been getting hits on that one. And then you just reinforce that. So sometimes we get ideas that come into our minds, but we ignore them. And then someone else says the exact same thing. And that's a reinforcement. Oh, yeah, you do need to follow up on that. So mm. what I'm doing is letting people know when you hear a suggestion from someone and that's already been going through your mind like five million times. You really should follow up on that because that is the universe trying to get through to you. Hello. You should be doing this. Yeah. We're doing this. Yeah. Stop ignoring me. Go it, ahead and move forward with this. <laughs> it, it's interesting because one of our clients was in a similar situation to yours, that all his his business was all training, face-to-face training. And we've been telling him for years, you need to take this online. You yep. need to do this online because it's going to open it up to the whole of the UK, not just the region you're in. But no, no, no. He, he loved the face-to-face. He loved the interaction. And then COVID shut down his training business overnight. And he yep. came to us. Is there any way we can get this online? Yes, we've been telling you this for some some considerable time. Correct. Correct. Well, and the thing it, the thing is, people are stubborn. I mean, what can we say? People and he's are a, stubborn. He's a very social creature. So, and the thing is, sometimes our stubbornness limits our ability to see the possibilities and what mm. we can do. And honestly, it's what other people need. Like yeah. we our idea of how we want to operate in the world, but the universe sees the bigger picture, which is no, we need your services out here in the universe, not just in your little city or state. We need it all over the world. So we need people all over the world to have access to this. And so it's just that, I mean, people, when I said get over it, I meant it because it's not for your highest good or your convenience. It's for the highest good of all the people around you that need access to what you have to say that can only get it online. Yeah. It's, it's almost like you're being selfish by doing oh, it oh, face-to-face. I, I say the highest form of arrogance is letting your insecurities deprive other people of the opportunity to work with you. I love that quote. Thank you. That is Absolutely for me. Absolutely <laughs> love that quote. Thank you. <laughs> Thank oh, you. That's beautiful. It's true. The and you highest... know who said that? You know who said that? Who said uh, that? The higher wisdom from the universe. I literally heard that phrase go through my mind. Like I, I wow. actually, yeah, yeah. It's it's one of those things where the thing is, people think insecurity is insecurity, but it's secretly a form of arrogance. So so issues, um, emotional issues, have a shadow or conscious and unconscious side. When mm. someone's insecure, they're they're arrogant. In their subconscious. When they're arrogant on the surface, they're insecure in the subconscious. So when people say, oh, I'm so insecure, I can't do that, I'm not good enough, secretly, they just don't want to. But why don't they want to? Are they lazy? Uh, is it too much work? Um, is it outside their comfort zone? Like, there are reasons why people don't want to do it, but it really isn't because they're not good enough. That's the story that people tell themselves, right? Yeah. 
you hear people talk about imposter syndrome. Um, and for a lot of people, that is a problem. I haven't had that issue for a really long time because mm -hmm. I just decided to get over it. Yeah. I decided to get over it. Everyone in life goes through levels of growth, right? And imposter syndrome usually is, I call it the box of limitations. You have a certain belief systems about where you are, what you're capable of, what you can have, who you can be, right? And then growth takes you outside of that box of limitations, right? About who you think you are, what your business can be, what you can have, who you can work with, all those different things, right? And so we have like, like oh, I can only see these types of clients, right? And then I can't work with other people outside of that. Kind of like your client. I can only see in-person people because that's what that person loved. That's cool. But the problem is, the universe, the bigger, the bigger consciousness of the, um, what's out there, you could say. I use different terms. I don't want to offend anybody by being specific, but um, <clears throat> there's a need of the collective consciousness of humanity to grow, and we need to do it quickly. So a lot of us have to get outside our little boxes to to grow and become more of who we are as empowered beings and help other people do the same thing because the way humanity is going to get out of these things these pickles we're in is by stepping into our power taking ownership of what we've created and making something else show up and we have to do that by being empowered and weirdly i see marketing as a way to do that because marketing is a way to teach people how to become more powerful because you're presenting people with opportunities to be a bigger, better version of themselves. <clears throat> I'm not talking like marketing specifically product necessarily, but product, but marketing products gets people what they need. It, it fulfills that Maslow's hierarchy of needs so then they can be that bigger, better, more empowered person. So it's important on all levels. Mm. It really is. And, <clears throat> and the best part is when, when he finally did concede and we put the stuff online so we could do it online, 2020, best year ever. Oh, I believe it. I totally Best believe it. Best year and some, ever. Some of us have um, services that are difficult to put on video mm. or online. And you have to be really, really ingenious and creative. I really didn't think it was possible to teach massage online. Mm, I mean, I, can, I knew. I can see why that would be difficult. Hard. Yeah. It's yeah. difficult. I will tell you that in 2007, I knew I needed to teach stuff online. I just didn't know how to implement it. I knew that a long time ago and I was willing to do it. I just didn't know how to. And so what, what happened is I just kept brainstorming over the years. And then a lot of the stuff that I did teach online that first year was stuff that wasn't necessarily demoed on another person. It was just individual and that worked. And then that gave me more confidence to go, wait a minute, I can film videos of myself doing massage and then I could teach live because I have done that. I've teach a live webinar. And then I show the video and then I teach the live webinar and then I show the video. So it, that my commentary, my educational commentary, and then I show the video. So then I came up with that idea as what do they call it? Necessity fosters creativity. I'm not getting it right. Necessity is the mother of invention. The mother of invention. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That's that's what ended up happening with me. And I think with a lot of people, especially during COVID. It, Lots well, of that's, what, that's what COVID was. I've, I've heard talk that the, the whole business industry has moved on. 10, 15 years in the space of the whole COVID thing because we had to. And I think, it, and honest, honestly, for the environment, we have to work way faster than that. We're in, mm. we're in trouble, man. We got less than 10 years to get our act together. That is, and that is, that's from the UN. That's not me saying that. 
guys, go ahead and read the UN reports. Mm. We are, we have to shift. And so, um, whatever individual people can do to make a difference, do it guys, whatever that is for you. (laughs) (laughs) That's, you know, whatever that is for you to save resources or to move forward or to invest money in something that's going to shift and get those temperatures down. We've got to do it. And this is the hottest year on record. So, um, and it's, it's, I mean, it's unbelievable. I was just in Southern California. It was 109 degrees. It was breathtaking. I can't like, even imagine what that's like. And the thing is, there are, I can't remember how many millions, hundreds of millions of people, they live in that kind of heat and they have to work outdoors. Hmm. And it's, I mean, that's like, we have to change. So I am mentioning that because for all those marketers out there who have that climate change software or out tech or whatever you've got, man, Get it going, people, because we we got we got to shift. It's true. So my business has a low carbon footprint, right? You know, most of the time the lights are off. There's very little use of electricity, right? <clears throat> and um, there's not a, a lot. We don't use a lot of um, carbon in my particular business, but just as human beings and consumers, all of us are using carbon. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry to pop that message in there, but it's huge. It's needed. It's we, an we important message, and, it, it's an, and we're almost out of time because you need to get off to, to camp. So it's, oh, it's yeah, an, that's it's an, right. You, you almost forgot, yeah. It's an important message to end on, I think. So as, as a final thing, before I let you go and, and go off to summer camp, if somebody wants to get in touch with you and, and work with you, what's, what's the best way they can do that? A great way is... To go to my website, which is arielhubbard.com, that's A-R-I-E-L, like not the Little Mermaid, but like the Tempest, where it came from, (laughs) and Hubbard, like old mother (laughs) Hubbard.com, and you can can find ways to email me or send me a message. You could go to Woman Power Zone and listen to my show, and it doesn't matter if you're a woman or not. (laughs) It's for everybody, really. Men are welcome. Men are welcome. (laughs) those are two great ways. But I tell you, this this conversation was so engaging that I, I lost track of time. So thank you for your wonderful questions. It's the name of the podcast. Name of the podcast. Exactly. The Engaging Marketeer and that's, with an engaged host. <laughs> thank you very much. I will pop those link I will pop those links in the show notes as well. So anybody just, just scroll down if you're on video, if you're on iTunes, whatever, and you can click on those links below uh, to get in touch with Ariel.